Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Man, I hate when people say happy Monday. There's nothing happy about Monday other than the fact that there's Monday Night Football and we get to talk about what happened on Sunday here on Home and Home. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday. I'll say it the last time. We'll get that out of the way. Home and Home brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Week 7 of the NFL, like a lot of weeks, it's like that bath fitter commercial. You got a bunch of problems in your bathroom. You just stick up a whole new bathtub and paneling right over the bad stuff. And everything suddenly looks a lot cleaner. At least if you are the Dallas Cowboys, everything looks brand sparkly new after they rolled Philly on Sunday night football. Let's get into it. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home after a weekend of college football in Pennsylvania. Cowboys just roll at home 37 to 10. And if there is a playbook of how to allow Dallas to play their best football, Philly followed it to a T. Turn it over on your first two possessions and allow Dallas to score and feed Zeke. Ross Tucker, good morning to you, sir. I hope you don't say happy Monday, do you? I don't say happy Monday, but I like okay. Mondays. I I, oh. I like pretty much every day. But you have to understand, Dave, for me, Monday is almost like, like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are almost like my weekend, if you will, in the sense that these are my days to actually be home with my family. And okay. like this afternoon... I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to go to the second half of swimming practice and check it out. Then we're going to go to Al's and we're going to get some pizza and some beers. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's like I can actually be at home and be a dad. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm traveling. And even if I am home on a Sunday, I am locked in the, the, the man cave, so to speak, just watching games all day, being an absentee father. So I love every day. <laughs> But I love Mondays because on some level, Dave, I feel like it's our day to be able to open up our presence of what we found out from college and the NFL yeah. over the weekend and have a better right. understanding. One thing we found out, I'm calling yesterday on some level Separation Sunday because the crappy teams to continue to show how crappy they are and they separate themselves on the bad end. And some good teams continue to show how really good they are and separate themselves on the top. And I actually feel like this is the first time in a while. I don't think there's as many middling teams as there normally are. I feel like there's like 10 really good teams, maybe five to 10 really crappy teams, and then 10 in the middle. Usually I feel like that middle group is bigger. And last night, wow, man, I, I was not expecting that. At all. Um, you know, I will say this. Earlier in the week on 94.1 WIP in Philadelphia, available here on the radio.com app, I picked the Eagles to win 24-20. I thought they were going to bounce back from that disappointing game against the Vikings. 
Doug Peterson came out and was very strong about how they were going to play, that they were going to win the game. And I thought they were going to have the health advantage. I didn't think Amari Cooper was going to play or Lyle Collins or Byron Jones or Tyron Smith. But then by the time yesterday rolled around and I was on the Eagles official pregame show, again, on the radio.com app, I switched. I switched, Dave. That rarely happens. But the Eagles still didn't have Deshaun Jackson, who I thought might be back. No Jason Peters. Still a bunch of other guys hurt. And the Cowboys had all their guys. And those guys made a big difference. Both offensive tackles, Byron Jones. Amari Cooper is a tremendous, tremendous player. So I switched to the Cowboys, and I'm glad I did. But even at that point, Dave, I did not think that would happen. I, I did not think that the Eagles would get embarrassed on national TV in a rivalry game like that last night. Very surprising. In particular, the Dallas Cowboys are a slow-starting team. That's what's plagued them these last three losses. They have scored a total of nine points in their prior three games in the first half. They were a slow starter. So the one thing, the only thing you cannot do if you're playing the Cowboys is turn the ball over early and allow them to get the win behind them, allow them to feed Zeke Elliott. It was the perfect way to lose to a Dallas Cowboys team. And I agree with you. The health really was huge here. I had no idea. Fine. If you if you thought Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith were going to play, I think the surprise was that Amari Cooper didn't just play. He played outstanding football. And this is a guy that had to go out on Friday and prove to the coaches that he was okay enough even to get out there in the game. He was spectacular in the effort. The numbers five for 106 could have had a touchdown, probably wants that one play back. Dak, 21 of 27, 239, a touchdown. He also rushed for one as well. But let's start with Philly, why don't we? And what is ailing the Eagles now, three and four, just stunned in Dallas? Let's hear from the head coach, Doug Peterson, because the big talk leading up was how he was confident that he made that non-guarantee guarantee that we're going to go there, we're going to win, we're going to take over first posi- place in the division. Here's Doug Peterson afterward. Doug, do you, uh, do you feel like you were overconfident coming into this? No, one? no, not at all. Do you regret um, voicing your confidence earlier mm, in the week? Nope, do not. <laughs> Just felt like, uh, you nope. know, I had a lot of confidence in this football team, a lot, of, a lot of trust, a lot of faith in the guys. Had a good week of preparation. Um, and, and, Quite honestly, I just, you know, um, after a game like this, we all have to kind of step back, look in the mirror, especially myself. It starts with me, and uh, this is one of those games that, uh, you know, I take personal from that standpoint. Uh, we didn't play well, and that's, that's, that's personal on me. So um, I got to get that fixed. Made clear on this program before, I'm a big fan of Swagger. Had no problem with Doug Peterson's comments. Like to see that type of confidence and hear about it. But did it backfire? Zeke Elliott said afterwards, this rivalry is enough. I don't care. And quote, fact, I don't give an F what Doug Peterson says. Zeke now averaging 115 yards in five games against Philly. Look, I've never been in an NFL locker room, Ross, so I like those types of comments. Do they actually help motivate a team like the Dallas Cowboys? Might it have played a factor? I mean, maybe, but I don't think it plays much of a factor as Dallas Goddard and Carson Wentz fumbling on the first two series. I mean, if we're being honest, right, Mm. I I think 
things just snowballed for the Eagles. And the issue really is that it's some of their best players, Dave. I mean, Dallas Goddard is a young stud. He fumbles the next series. Then you have a situation where Lane Johnson, uh, arguably their best offensive lineman, gets beat by Demarcus Lawrence for a strip sack. And then Zeke Elliott runs over Malcolm Jenkins, one of their best defensive players, for a touchdown. I mean, these are some of the Eagles' best players. Now, I will tell you, every team I've been on, ever, if the opposing team's head coach came out and said to a radio show on Monday, we're going to go down and we're going to beat them, that would be brought up. And it would be a rallying cry. And we certainly saw from Demarcus Lawrence and what he said late in the week, that it was a big deal to him. They, they at least used it as a rallying cry. You know what happens, yeah. Dave? And look, the, the Cowboys had already lost three games in a row. They were already desperate for a win. I made the case throughout the week that I felt like it was actually a bigger game for the Cowboys because of that. A, they were home, and B, they couldn't afford to lose a fourth straight game. Not that the Eagles could afford to lose that one. But it certainly felt like a bigger game to the Cowboys to me. But being in those locker rooms, here's what happens, right? Monday afternoon, when Jason Garrett first meets with the team, he's like, you know, guys, they got a lot of guts. They got a lot of guts for their head coach to come out and say they're going to come in here and they're going to kick your butt. They're going to beat you guys. I I wouldn't say that. I can't believe they've got the guts to say, what? I mean, you guys going to let that happen? You going to let them just say on Monday that they're going to come in here and beat your butt on Sunday? And it just kind of becomes this, this rallying cry. It's, you know, it's just like a little extra fuel to the fire. It's like you're, you're throwing a couple more logs on. And it's just, it, is, it, is it why they lost by 27 points, Dave? No. Did it help the Eagles? Pretty clearly it didn't, and it seemed to help the Cowboys at least a little bit. And I would just tell you there's a reason why coaches, players try to never do anything that could be construed as bulletin board material because, you know, it just it just gives you that extra little teeny edge. Like, yeah, why the, who is he to be saying that? He doesn't even play, and he's going to come out and say they're going to come in here and beat us? I'm going to shut him up. That's the attitude you have as a player. How much it really makes a difference once they get inside the white lines, Dave, I don't know that anybody can really tangibly say, but it, it clearly had a chip on the Cowboys' shoulders just based on DeMarcus Lawrence's comments about it later in the week. This we know. It certainly did not help Philadelphia. It did not help them from the start of that football game. And now the situation is at Buffalo Chicago by week, New England. Things could get ugly fast. Philly is three and four. And Carson Wentz was was just okay. 16 to 26, 191, a touchdown, an interception. The two fumbles really were killer when you're talking about three turnovers in a crucial division game. Let's hear from Carson Wentz on his confidence in the wide receiver group and also in Nelson Aguilar, who uh, catching babies Aguilar uh, looked like he gator-armed an easy touchdown for the Eagles. At the very least, didn't lay out for it, but didn't even outstretch his arms for a football here's the eagles qb on all that carson what's your level of trust in your wide receiver group at this point it's high yeah it's very high i mean I, those guys go out there game in and game out make plays and 
Um, I feel extremely confident uh, with them, you know, after this game and still going forward. And um, but at the end of the day, we just got to be better offensively. Today was a, was a struggle. Obviously, um, they played us played us well. We did not play well, so uh, we got to correct some things and get back on. In the fourth quarter, you threw it deep to Nelson. Um, did you catch it? Did you feel like the effort on the ball was there? And what did you see on the play? Well, I wish we. I thought we had a touchdown when I threw it. I didn't see the end result. Um, <laughs> I, I was on the ground, so I didn't didn't get a chance to see. But um, you know, I, when I threw it, I thought we had had a good one there. But I I got to make a better throw, obviously, and uh, hopefully get in the end zone next time. That's the quarterback covering for his wide receiver. He wasn't the only one that thought they had a touchdown on that long throw. I thought it, and all of Eagles Nation thought they had it. Nelson Aguilar has got to come up with that football. He's got a massive massive case of the dropsies this year. And he's got to fix it. They also need Deshaun Jackson back. So let's talk Dallas. Dak, 21 to 27, 239, a touchdown. He ran for one. We talked about Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott was outstanding. How much better do you feel about this Dallas team, Ross? The same team that somehow went to New York and lost to the Jets. And that's what I mean about a, a bath fitter. I mean, suddenly you put up a new bathtub and a new wall and everything looks a lot better. How does this same group of guys lose at the Jets, and dominate the Eagles. Do you do a lot of bath fitting, Dave? I don't. I don't, but I almost bought a home that had been bath fit, and then the real estate agent told me later, I think all those bathtubs were bath fitters. They look nice on the outside, but if you get underneath them, there's some rot and there's some mold, and and some NFL teams are like that. You get underneath it, there's some rot, there's some mold. They're just covering up the problems. Is that the Cowboys or how do you explain the Jekyll and Hyde in two weeks? Yeah, that's interesting. By the way, I am the least handy person in the world, and I know nothing about stuff like that. So I just learned I don't even know what a bath fitting is. So really? now I know. Um, huh. Look, I, 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 I thought before the year the Cowboys had a chance to have a really good team. I'm not overly surprised by what I saw last night. I mean, they've got an excellent offensive line. I thought Dak played as well as he has in a while. Amari Cooper, I mean, that one catch he made down the sideline when Jalen Mills had perfect coverage on him, very impressive. Uh, Zeke, I'm not sure there's a running back in the league I would take over him, Dave. Certainly, I think Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley are in that conversation. I think right now, maybe I would take McCaffrey, but I am so impressed by Zeke's ability to run between the tackles and to get the tough yardage. He is really an exceptional player. And I think the other thing is the defense had been letting them down, but now DeMarcus Lawrence was able to get pressure and make a big play. And I I just think this is a huge game for them. I only think the NFC East is going to get one team in the playoffs. Before the year, I thought that the Eagles and Cowboys were both legitimate Super Bowl teams. Now, I think only one of these two teams even makes the playoffs. I don't think they're the one or the two seed. I think they end up being the three or the four seed. And the Cowboys got a big uh, leg up with that head-to-head win. But also, Dave, if you look at their schedules moving forward, the Cowboys pretty much had to win that game. I mean, the last five games for the Eagles, uh, their schedule gets a lot easier. They need to weather the storm over this six-game stretch. I said they needed to go three and three, two and four at worst. Well, they're 0-2 on this six-game stretch now. 
These next two at Buffalo and home against the Bears are gigantic for the Eagles. They got to get at least one of them and really ideally both to try to come out of this with a chance going into those last five games of the year. Does look like one team in that division gets into the playoffs. And right now, Dallas in the driver's seat, they have the bye week. And boy, do they feel better going into the bye week. And then the Giants, Minnesota, and Detroit. And what's amazing about this team is, yes, it was just days ago that most of Cowboys Nation and even us talking heads were acknowledging that if they lost this game, that could eventually, not right then, but would eventually cost Jason Garrett his job. And now... This looks like a team that could win the division, and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Bath fitter. Here's Jason Garrett and Dak Prescott on the big win. How are we doing, guys? Jason, did Coach Peterson's guarantee of a victory earlier last week have anything to do with the emotion this team came out with tonight? Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with it. Uh, we focus on us. Uh, we focus on each day of preparation and the task at hand. Our guys did a great job preparing for this ball game and did a really good job playing for 60 minutes in all three phases. Well, in light of the injuries that you've had thus far this season, Jason, obviously the bye week's coming at a really good time for you now. Yeah, and again, I thought those guys did a fantastic job working their way back. You know, to have Tyron back in there and LC uh, playing tackle for us and Amari and, and RC you know, coming back and being able to play receiver, making the plays they made tonight, Byron Jones fighting his way back. So those guys did a fantastic job. Uh, they make a difference for us. The guys who played in their place fought hard and battled, and, and they grew from the experience. So we're a better team for it. And, and hopefully over the next, you know, 10 days or so, guys will get healed up and we'll get ready to go again. Yeah, it's a great team right. win. Uh, the best complimentary football that we've played all year long, offense, uh, defense, defense making plays, getting us – on the plus side of the field, I was being able to capitalize on them, being able to do that early, score touchdowns early, uh, just um, something that we've been trying to get to all year long, uh, and, and we were able to do that tonight. Did you have a good feeling during the week that you might have a performance like this? Or yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% did. Uh, no doubt in my mind um, about about how we're going to come out and perform tonight, uh, but it's all about the way we prepared all week long, the mindset, the mentality, uh, the approach, um, the way everybody just came to work, and uh, we didn't we didn't panic. We didn't have to say uh, everything hit the fan. Let's start over. We doubled down on who we are uh, and just got better. Uh, and we're able to take take what we what we practice and bring it to the game. Was about, it more aggressive the play calling because you guys got that early lead? Is that what allowed them to open up the playbook as you mentioned? I don't know. I mean, we've got a coach that's aggressive. We got a coach that believes in our offense and believes in the guys that he has. Uh, I mean, we we're in the situation last weekend and we did the same thing. So. Um, that's just kind of who we are. That's who this team is, believes in himself, knows we have the we have the players that can go make those plays and have an immense amount of confidence in that. So uh, whether you're up or whether you're down, uh, I think that's that's who we are in those situations. What do you think? Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, and before that, Jason Garrett, who looks awfully good this morning despite the calls for his job a week prior. The ESPN show first take asked, was that a, an example of how good the Cowboys are or bad the Eagles are right now? 81% of people say how bad the Eagles are. Coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, one of the, we're going to get a real sense of the passion and probably the frustration and anger of Eagles Nation. One of the great callers from our station WIP in Philadelphia, Eagles Shirley will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. You will really get a sense of how frustrated and how angry Eagles fans are on this Monday morning. So who's the best team in the NFC? Well, at least by the record, it looks like the San Francisco 49ers. 6-0, first time since 1999. 
to nothing. They win at FedEx Field on a wet, muddy, ugly, nasty, and in some cases, very fun day for guys like Nick Bosa, who makes the sack, goes slip and slide on the football field on Case Keenum. Several other teammates join him. It was a lot of fun for that defense, and they are putting up some historic numbers are the Niners on the defensive side of the football. Listen to this. First team since 2005 to limit an opponent to seven or fewer points and fewer than 200 yards in three consecutive games. That is impossible to accomplish in this era. 98 total passing yards they've allowed in two weeks combined. Uh, Ross, is this the best team in the NFC or are there some real problems with Jimmy Garoppolo? I thought he looked mediocre in this game. I know their conditions and they were rough, but 12 of 21 for 151 against a Washington defense that made Mitch Trubisky look like Tom Brady. I think that is an underlying problem for that offense. So a couple things, number one, I love watching that game. I love the Niners. I love their style of play. Their defense is badass. I love the way they run the ball. But how much did now? This will tell me a little bit something about you, Dave. Mm -hmm. When you watched that, did you were you thinking, "Oh, this is brutal. There's no offense," or did you think it was fun to watch these grown men playing in the rain in those conditions? Well. I thought, God, I would love to play in this game as a defensive player. It made me think of football as a kid and playing in those conditions, which was so much fun. But I, like a lot of people, am a fantasy football player and watcher. Uh, no, I'm not a pitcher's duel kind of guy. I like some offense, and I want to see what kind of quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is if he's going to get these comparisons. And I saw it yesterday. He's not very good. He's just kind of mediocre right now. So that's what I was looking for, a guy that's going to – fight through the conditions and still play pretty well. Yeah. So for me, I, I just, it, it took me back to junior year of high school when we yeah. beat Connor Weiser, our big rival, it poured all night. And I don't know what it is, Dave, but it's so fun playing in conditions like that. I mean, you saw the guys, the Niners were having fun. They were slip sliding around. I, I couldn't take my eyes off it. I mean, I, I really couldn't. I just, I really enjoyed watching those guys. Even like Trey Quinn caught a pass and slid for like 15 yards, it seemed like, going out of bounds. I just, I think it's one of the things that makes football special and different, right? You wouldn't see a baseball game or certainly basketball or NHL in those conditions. One of the things that makes football great, there was obviously that awesome picture of the the make the, the mud just caked on the face of one of the Niners linemen. I, I thought it was awesome. The Niners have proven they can win that way out in sunny California. They can win that way in muddy, rainy uh, Maryland as well against the Redskins. I do think right now they are the best team. That hmm. said, to your point about Jimmy Garoppolo, when they get in the playoffs – and they're going against a team like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or Drew Brees and the Saints, because the Saints, and we're going to talk, you know, to Dan Bernstein in a little bit, but the Saints uh, are very impressive right now, even without Drew Brees. 
Or if they, even if they play the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, right now, Dave, I kind of feel like the Niners would have the lesser quarterback in all of those games. I think they'd have the lesser yeah. quarterback if they played the Cowboys and Dak Prescott right now. Can they still win? Yeah, and they got a chance right now to get home field advantage, to get a bye. They would only have to win two home playoff games. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo can play well enough for them to win those games, but they would be at some sort of quarterback deficit, I feel like, in all of those games, which makes it hard. Bath fitter. Jimmy Garoppolo is the mold underneath the bath fitter of this football <laughs> team. I'm sorry. You can't go 12 to 21. I understand it's muddy. I understand it's wet. How many times do we see Tom Brady and other great quarterbacks in this league play through those conditions? Now they still can run the football with the best of them. 147 yards rushing, uh, 137 yards rushing on the ground. So they can still do that. But when they get up against a great, a truly great defense, and certainly Washington is not that. And that team says, all right, Jimmy, we're going to make you beat us. Not convinced they're going to do that. I'll tell you who I think is the best team in the NFC. And their quarterback is the reason they are not just staying afloat. They are excelling with a star out. We'll talk about the other best teams in the NFC in just one sec, Ross. But first, we're going to talk about ZipRecruiter because I haven't had a chance to tell you about them since Friday. It's been killing me. How are some of you still not using ZipRecruiter? How do you think we find all our millennials? How do you think Dylan Miskowitz, <laughs> who needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, was able to get his director of coffee? ZipRecruiter. They don't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. We invited Jordan and Dylan and Jacob and Eric and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Dixon. Dylan posts his job on ZipRecruiter, not Dylan Burns, Dylan Miskowitz, my other buddy and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it is really no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Free is for me. At our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Home and Home has tweeted out the question, who has been the most surprising team in the NFL so far? Mine coming up to start the 9 o'clock hour, but the 49ers are the overwhelming lead right now with 59%. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. Best team in the NFC, if you ask me, the New Orleans Saints, because Drew Brees went down and it has not been a problem. Teddy Bridgewater is now 5-0 and in this game in particular you have to focus on because it wasn't just Breeze out. It was Alvin Kamara out. It was the tight end Jared Cook out. 
and the Saints dropped an absolute beatdown on the Chicago Bears. For those of you that wake up and see box scores or even see it Sunday night and might see a highlight or two, 36-25 does not tell the story over the Bears. They destroyed them. It was 36-10. to Trubisky got a couple garbage time touchdowns. That's the only thing in addition to a 102-yard kick return that made this game look any better. How about the job Teddy Bridgewater has done? They rack up 424 total yards. Teddy, 23 of 38, 281, two touchdowns. He's thrown nine and just two interceptions and going 5-0. and Latavius Murray looked like Alvin Kamara, 150 total yards, two touchdowns, best team in the NFC if and when they get back a healthy Drew Brees, who is expected to return to practice this week. Ross, where do I have it wrong? Uh, I don't think you do have it wrong. I, I think when they get Brees back, and, and by the way, they play uh, the Cardinals – and then they have a bye. I have no idea why you would want to try to play Drew Brees before the bye. I mean, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I would I would continue to let that thing heal, make sure it's 100%. The way they're playing right now, they really don't even need them. I mean, this is a tried and true formula in the NFL. And I know everybody loves quarterbacks and Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. But, Dave, if you play lights-out defense like the Saints are playing right now, they got the horses. They got the guys. Cam Jordan and Davenport and Marcus Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, Marcus Williams. I mean, they, they've, got, they've got the guys. And then if you have what they have up front, which is the best offensive line in the NFL right now, you're going to win. I mean, Bridgewater all day. Latavius Murray, their backup running back, running and looking better than he has in a while. And the defense, that, that was one. I'd like to see the poll question on that one. How much of that was good Saints defense? How much of that was bad Bears offense? Because that was some bad Bears offense too. But it was extremely impressive. The Saints are, I mean, who would have thought? after Breeze went down, that they'd go undefeated with Bridgewater, who's playing fine. He's not even playing great. He's playing fine. Uh, but they've just been that. Everybody else has just picked it up that much. Yeah, it's really been incredible. Uh, I guess my question is, is regarding that Chicago defense, what the hell was that? I mean, look, at this much, it's clear. The, the the Bears offense is just a dumpster fire. Mitch Trubisky was missing reads, making bad decisions. He was really perfectly Mitch Trubisky. 34 of 54, garbage time touchdowns. But the Bears had 85 yards of offense, four first downs through three quarters. Can't figure out what in the world happened to the Chicago Bears defense that we knew earlier this season that looked like a championship unit. We're going to talk to Dan Bernstein about all this 670 the score in Chicago in just a couple of minutes. But to you, Ross, where has this Chicago defense gone bad? It was, it shouldn't be this type of football game. They should be in this till the very end. Teddy Bridgewater should not carve you up. Latavius Murray is certainly an adequate backup. 
What happened to a championship unit? They have no running game. And as Mitch Trubisky said afterwards, they have no identity in Chicago, no semblance of a running game and a championship defense that has faded. You're exactly right. I don't have a great explanation for it because they have the personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Now, losing Akeem Hicks, that certainly hurts, but they've kind of gotten carved up now by the Raiders. You get carved up now by the Saints with their backup quarterback. It's not the same unit we saw on that Monday night in Washington or even against Kirk Cousins three weeks ago. It's crazy how quickly things can and do change in the NFL. And I think mm. the answer, Dave, is that they've gone against two very good offensive lines, and those offensive lines have gotten the better of them. The Raiders and the Saints have, have taken the punch to the Bears, who are lacking an inside rush and inside presence without Akeem Hicks, and it's showing. How do you run for 17 yards on seven carries? On the flip side, Sean Payton, in my book, coach of the year without a close second, the way he has not just weathered the storm, but kept that team on top, going 5-0, and beating Chicago without Kamara, without Breeze, without Cook. Sean Payton, still one of the best in the game today, and he's been the best through seven weeks in the NFL. Coming up in just a bit, more reaction from Chicago. What are the callers saying? In the Windy City. Dan Bernstein, 670, the score, talks about Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, perhaps a little Chicago Cubs talk right around this break. Are the Minnesota Vikings a contender in the NFC? Kirk Cousins going straight. Patrick Mahomes, at least with the numbers. We'll talk about Cousins and the Vikes in a bit. But we start elsewhere in that division with the Chicago Bears destroyed. By the Saints, 36-25. The Boo Birds were out early and often in Chicago. Let's go to Chicago and bring in our friend Dan Bernstein. 670 the score in Chicago. Dan, Dave Briggs, and Ross Tucker, appreciate the time on a Monday. Uh, how do you characterize the spirits of Chicago Bears fans this morning? Ruined. This was a complete and utter disaster from jump. And what's eating at a lot of people who have been watching this team and paying attention very carefully is the disparity between word and deed. And it isn't the first time this has happened. The season opener was a time after a preseason in which Bears starters did not play. And the AP coach of the year told everybody, I got this. Everything's going to be fine. We know what we're doing in practice. I got it. They laid an egg in the opener. Then they hit the bye week after the awful weekend in London, which felt kind of like a one-off, maybe a bit of an anomaly because of travel. But there was this beloved coach and trusted coach, again, saying, I got this. We're going into the bye week. We know what's wrong. We're going to self-scout. We are going to look at ourselves ruthlessly. We're going to fix this. And then that it's that disparity that is really hitting home and making this much more serious than just a regular season bad loss. All right, so Dan, I, I watched a bunch of that game, and I'm still not sure I know the answer to this question, but I want to get your perspective of it. Maybe it's a little bit skewed because you're in Chicago, but how much of that did you feel like was, wow, Saints really have a good defense versus, man, the Bears are just that bad on offense. We both know it's a combination of both, 
But if you had to tilt the meter, which way are you tilting it? This is a coach who is here because of his understanding of offense, of offensive philosophy. And we were promised that it was going to look a whole hell of a lot better than it's looking. The problem is in what they betray with their play calling. When they don't run, after telling you they were going to fix the running game, after saying we know where the problems are, it's not just Kyle Long, we know what to do with all of this, the, the weapons at their disposal. I'm wondering, and I think there's really no answer to this question, is it that they don't run because they can't run or they can't run because they don't run? Either one is completely unacceptable. And I don't think this is a tip your cap to the Saints kind of game. Not for this team. Not for a team with mm. these expectations. We can't lower the bar. This team was supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. And now in this this sickening twist of events, they're an NFC also ran. Matt Nagy after the game said something I found odd. He said, the last thing anybody is going to do, whether it's you guys or anybody else outside, you're not going to pull us down. Aren't, is it the media that is pulling the Chicago Bears down? It's a great catch on your part. It absolutely caught my ear as well. Matt Nagy has always embraced attention, embraced pressure, embraced the relationship with fans and media. It's telling to me that at this, the, without question, the nadir of his coaching tenure here, for him to pit his team against, for him to already pull that well-worn, overused coaching managerial card, however you want to phrase it, some version of that old warhorse of the only people that believe in us are the people in this room, tune out the haters, however you want to try to, to put new words on it. It's unfortunate. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to say people are out to get us. People are going to tear us apart. People watched crappy football. Now for the last six hours of Bears football, that's not the outside tearing them apart. That's them not blocking, not tackling, not reading defenses, not completing passes. All right, so Dan, let's let's talk about the offense. What's the most concerning part of it? Forget Nagy and the play calling for a second. From a personnel standpoint, what's the most concerning part? That they can't run it, the offensive line, or is it too easy to just say it's Trubisky? Well, he's the quarterback, and it's very easy to say it because of the regression. He looks like his circuits are absolutely fried. And I understand he's wearing a harness. I understand that he's coming back from injury. But the, every bit of his internal targeting mechanism his timing mechanism just looks off it looks like you got to shut this down and reboot it or start it in safe mode or do something because he looks like like there's a he, he's got a computer problem I have no other way to phrase it the offensive line has not helped and you had a, a pro bowl center who you moved to guard you got a pro bowl tackle who isn't playing like one and you've got a ton of guaranteed money up front at some point you would think there's a pride level there of just being able to look at the guy across the line from you and push him a little bit backwards that's really all it takes to give somebody a, a crease there was time to throw I thought that there was a defined pocket and opportunity, but again, everything about the timing, about his ability, Trubisky's ability to, to process what he's seeing is just off. But at least you have a kicker. Who'd have thought <laughs> through seven weeks, a kicker might be the bright spot for the Bears offense. 
Eddie. Wasn't that adorable? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that cute? When we spent an entire summer saying, well, you know, this well-oiled machine could have the Achilles heel of being undone by something as superfluous as the choice of place kicker. Wasn't that just adorable? It was, and you know what? Eddie Pinero's been spectacular. But seriously, uh, could could they bench Trubisky? They okay, everything's on the table right now. Every dumbass meatball caller theory is completely valid and on the table now. After that, you can't say no to anything. I don't think they will. They obviously could, and they could just pull the plug on it. But that's what it is, right? If you if you do that now and say, you know, we're still in our window of competition. We are still 500. We're going to try to fall back into some kind of managed game system here. You've told Trubisky you're done with him. It's a, it's a huge move to make. Is it possible? Yeah. Probable? No. It's kind of unbelievable when you think about it, Dan. I, I, you know, what's really crazy about it is what happened, and Dave and I were talking about this earlier. Dave was asking about it. What happened to their defense? I mean, Ted Ginn's like wide open. Latavius, they don't even have Alvin Kamara or Jared Cook. And and the Saints are marching up and down the field. I Honestly, if, if I were a Bears fan, I think I might even be more concerned about the – you know the offense isn't very good. But the defense, what happened to the defense, Dan? Oh, they're on the field forever. They just can't get a break. And at some point, there has to be a fatigue issue. Obviously, Akeem Hicks matters, but he can't matter that much. He can't be that important when you have guys like Nick Williams and Bilal Nichols who are capable above replacement level extras coming in for him. Something's wrong with Roquan Smith, and I don't know what it is. We never got to the bottom of the personal issue that sidelined him a couple of weeks ago. He looked like he was playing in a fog last week, and he just isn't moving with purpose or impact at this point. It's hard, though. They, they look demoralized. There was a little bit of quit, I thought, in, in, a, in a defense where you see the body language in between plays. You see the, sh- the slumped shoulders. And I think it's human nature when you're just worn down at that point to, to give a little bit. And I think we're seeing a defense realize it's something other than superhuman. You know what else is crazy, Dan, watching that? I want to get your opinion. Watching that game and watching the Saints defense just totally stifle the Bears and then watching the Saints running the ball behind what I think right now is the best offensive line in football and their backup running back, the Saints look like the Bears. Like the Saints look like when the Bears have a good team, that's what they look like. They run it. They, they maybe they didn't have a great throwing night, but they throw it enough, and their defense is dominant. It had to almost rub salt in the wounds that the Saints are without their quarterback, running back, tight end, and they played Bears football. They, I feel like they they beat the Bears at their own game. Well, we tend to overcomplicate football often, and when the fat guys win, everything looks good. And when your fat guys are beating their fat guys on both sides of the ball, everybody else can go dance around and run in circles and do all their razzle-dazzle stuff. But that's what's going on right now. And that's the problem with a Bears offense that is reliant on misdirection and trickery and some of the artsy-fartsy stuff he's trying to do when that's supposed to be a luxury. 
it's like you saw the Saints pull out in in point. They did it yesterday when they did that little double option move on the right side because they could. You don't do it because you have to. You do it because the opportunity arises. And from jump, it seems that everything the Bears do is trying to make up for a push that they can't get, that they have to get some kind of misdirection. They have to do some sort of sorcery just to get two yards. Did you see how panicked Nagy was when the headset went out? And they don't know what to do. He's calling Mitchell Trubisky over. And I'm, I'm laughing, and I tweeted this out, that God forbid on a third and two, you can just wink at your quarterback and say, do something, get two yards, I trust you. It, it, to me, the fear in the eyes of that sideline when the headset went out, like, oh, my God, we can't be in Mitch's head. We can't be his eyes and ears. What does that tell you? It's not a good sign. And it's also not a good sign, Dan, when you see how well the Vikings and the Packers are playing right now. Does that even matter right now to you and the no. people in Chicago? Nah. Or is no. it making it even worse that the Packers and Vikings look this good over the last few weeks. I, I don't think there is time or room at the moment to be concerned about what anybody else is doing. This We have to figure out, the Bears have to figure out what's going wrong here because something is going very, very wrong. They are not in a position to be looking over the fence in somebody else's yard right now because the cleanup starts here and now. All right, quickly, Dan Bernstein, I want to ask you about the Chicago Cubs, that open managerial spot, some big names being mentioned there, Girardi, David Ross, any insight as to where the Cubs might go? I'm intrigued by the second interview they granted Houston bench coach Joe Espada because they recently made a round of hires, a restructuring of the organization that included all internal promotions. They named a new organizational director of hitting in Justin Stone. They named an organizational director of pitching in Craig Breslow. They shuffled some other pieces around internally. This after saying, after Theo Epstein said, he would look for the best and brightest from other organizations as well, because the Cubs have fallen behind a little bit. It would fit nicely have some of the quieter hires be internal and the louder, more significant public-facing one then be Joe Espada. Go grab somebody from Houston who's doing it better than everybody. And anybody you think will leave in terms of big free agents, will they really reset the deck or are they going to try to keep the, the team as is and just bring in a new manager? No, they're not going to run this thing back as is. I okay. think at least one high-profile core position player is going to be moved. And Theo, all but in in code, asked for that phone to start ringing. I think they're going to be open to a lot of things. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are some moves that maybe they're not even considering that present themselves that they jump at. Should be an interesting offseason in Chicago. Dan Bernstein, 670, the score. Catch him in Chicago. Appreciate the time, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right, Ross, let's stay in the division and talk about the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Fantastic. The best he has been arguably ever in his career. The first game he ever posted a perfect quarterback rating, 158.3. Throws for five touchdowns, runs for one, throws for 429 yards and a 42-24 win over the Oakland Raiders. This is without his best receiver, Devontae Adams, Yes, Scandling looked well, looked good. Geronimo Allison looked looked okay. He threw a touchdown to Jake Kumaro. Aaron Rodgers at his very best. Are we finally getting a glimpse of what he can be with a coach he gets along with, with an offense that accentuates his talent? Well, this team could be scary good 
if he can play at that high of a level consistently or at least close to it. Because you're right. They still don't even have Devontae Adams. And that is when I start to get really, really impressed. When quarterbacks, or even just teams, you know, we talked earlier about the Saints, how they perform without Drew Brees. And now the way the Packers are performing without Devontae Adams, it's extremely impressive. Now, I got to tell you, there were some wide open receivers in this game. I, I have no idea what the Raiders were doing. I mean, he throws the ball out like in the flat to to MVS Valdez Scantling, and he just kind of trots down the field for like a 75-yard touchdown. I mean, they had some really open receivers, but I don't think that should take away from what Aaron Rodgers did. Six touchdowns is six touchdowns. Five throwing, one running. Felt like he was in a groove throughout. Felt like he was really in the zone. And he hasn't looked at like quite that good this whole season. He's had other good games, other good moments of games against Detroit and Dallas and whatever. But this was, I mean, this was this was really, really impressive. And you combine that with a defense that, by the way, wasn't great yesterday. And they did benefit from, man, how about, Dave, the Raiders having three turnovers inside the one? I mean, the Raiders had every chance to keep this thing close. Now, it would have been a shootout, but they could have kept it close. Derek Carr did the the ball through the end zone thing, touchback. And he said afterwards that he knows that that's a mistake. It's, you know what, Dave? I don't remember when we were younger. I don't remember yeah. seeing guys do it that much. Now it seems like once a weekend a guy does that, and it's a touchback and a critical, critical turnover just really quickly on that uh, i mean again for folks that didn't see the game car is running towards the end zone reaches out ball fumbles it just inside the pylon uh, pylon through the end zone that is a touchback and that is the worst rule in the nfl i understand car should know better 23 career fumbles lost most in the nfl since 2014 does that rule have to go? It sucks, man. That rule makes no sense whatsoever to me. Well, it's one of these rules that you almost wonder, Dave, is it just that way because it's always been that way? And to Derek Carr's credit, he said it was his mistake. He can't do that. Yeah. He knows the rule. He can't reach out with one arm. But, yeah, I mean, this could be – we all love football – but we could add this to the list of ways that we can improve football. I got another one for you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, you know, saw it last night, like in the Eagles game, but you see it almost every game. I think it was like third and 18 or something. And Malcolm Jenkins hand might've just like grazed the face mask of a guy, illegal hands to the face, five yard penalty, automatic first down on like third and 18. And you see stuff like that all the time, illegal contact, hands to the face, holding, all automatic first downs. I just don't see why. I mean, other than, you know, trying to generate more offense and keep drives going, it seems overly punitive to me. I mean, if it's if it was less than five yards, then great, it's a first down. If it wasn't, then great, they got five yards closer and they get another yeah. chance at it. I mean... To make an automatic first down is 
crazy to me. There should be no automatic first down on those in my mind. And then on on the Derek Carr play, look, even if you want to say to try to say these guys can't, even if you want to say that the, the the fumbling team gets the ball back at the 20, that would be tough, but it would still be better than this. It would still be better. How does the other team get the ball at the 20? I mean, yeah, this, it's this, just crazy to think this, literally, what is it, Dave? Inches, millimeters are the difference between one team has the ball at the one inch line versus the other team has the ball at the 20. I mean, that's, yeah, that's it crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's one of those effort plays that should go back to the fumbling team where they fumbled the ball. You can't be rewarding these teams and changing an entire football game based on an effort play. But ultimately, Aaron Rodgers, the story in this, more as many touchdowns as he had in completions. He gets the game ball from this new head coach, Matt LaFleur. Clearly, they are really gelling. Uh, in the locker room afterwards, for those of you that haven't seen the video online, the whole team piled on Aaron Rodgers after getting the game ball from LaFleur, in particular when the coach mentioned the rushing touchdown for the old man. Here's Rodgers on his comfort with his coach. Yeah, it feels good. I mean, I feel like this has been coming. I really do. I feel like we've been building, uh, and I've been feeling a lot more comfortable. Uh, and Matt's been feeling more comfortable with, you know, him calling it for me and feeling when I'm in that rhythm and when to be aggressive and when to pull back. But uh, you love it when yeah, you have a couple good positive drives. You go down and get a touchdown end of the half there after a nice uh, nice stand, and then you come out and we come in the locker room and you talk about stuff. And the first play is a shot play. You know, I just you know, love that. Now I, I didn't throw a great ball on that one to to MBS, but I love the uh, aggressive nature. Packers win their third straight. Vikings win their third straight. And speaking of quarterbacks that look comfortable, Kirk Cousins is playing as good or better than anyone in the game. The numbers are astounding for him in the last three weeks. Kirk Cousins has thrown for 976 yards and 10 touchdowns. That is what Patrick Mahomes did in his first three weeks when we were talking MVP for Patrick Mahomes. Miraculous, given week one, Minnesota won a football game with 10 passing attempts. Clearly no confidence in Kirk Cousins as a passer, but boy, has that all changed. After Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen aired their grievances, Cousins' four touchdown passes on Sunday, 24 of 34. 337. I cannot recall a more dramatic transformation of any position, certainly not the most important position on the football field over the course of three weeks. What the heck happened with Kirk Cousins? By the way, the final 42-30 over the Lions. Was this his head coach, Coach Zimmer, finally giving Kirk Cousins some confidence that he believes in him and allowing him to turn it loose? Or was Cousins just needing a serious wake-up call from his wide receivers and maybe even the national media? Well, maybe that's made him a little bit more laser-focused, Dave. I think that's certainly the case. By the way, I love that we're talking about Kirk Cousins performing well. I, You know, I thought a, a, a memo went out to the national media that you only talk about Kirk Cousins when he plays poorly. You know, yeah. because it's a lot more fun to rip on him with the guaranteed contract and all that. Nobody talks about Cousins, it seems like, when he plays well. 
only when he plays poorly. So I'm glad we are not nobody and that we're actually talking about him because he has been lights out. I think maybe part of it is a laser focus after the receivers kind of called him out. I think part of it also is they've been calling more passes. You know, the start of the year, Dave, it was like they were trying this thing where they run, run, only threw it on third down and long, which wasn't putting Kirk Cousins in a good position. Now it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of early down and distance passes, which are setting him up for success. And when you have the receivers that he has, this is what they should do. I mean, you think about it. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook as a runner and out of the backfield. You try to play them man-to-man like the Lions did, you are going to get smoked. Their players are just better than yours. And especially off the play action, Cousins has been absolutely deadly. Stephon Diggs is as good as any one of the game right now, as is his QB. Diggs 7 for 142, but how about Dalvin Cook leads the league in rushing. He goes for 142 yards, two touchdowns. Balance in that offense has been reestablished. I think Mike Zimmer just needed to let his quarterback know that he believed in him, that he trusted him to put the ball in the hands of the great wide receivers. If you ask Kirk Cousins, he talks about that balance, the importance of Dalvin Cook. It was a positive day. We moved the football and scored points and did well in the red zone and did fairly well on third down. There's always a couple I want back. I think of a specific series. I think we went three and out. I think there were two throws we had there on that drive. Now, I can't say enough good things about our coaching staff, the game plans they've put together to put me in a position to be successful. When we run the ball effectively, it's taking pressure off me so that when we do throw, we can get touchdown passes. And we're not just having to drop back and, and check it down because they're playing soft coverages. Um, And, you know, sometimes you just have those games where plays that you didn't think were going to be there are there. And uh, other games, it's going to be a struggle. We might have to win 10 to 9, and that's okay. You know, you just got to find a way to win with what the game calls for. And the last few weeks, it's been a little more, you know, open it up and and let let it fire. There he is. Kirk Cousins could win the comeback player a year within the within the same season. On the flip side, a conversation for another time because we got to get to a break and get to the AFC next hour. How about Matt Stafford? Prepare yourself, folks. Prepare yourself for Matt Stafford at some point being the NFL's all-time leading passer. And the question of, is he a surefire Hall of Famer? Because he is the fastest ever to 40,000 yards passing. Yes, that is in NFL history. And he is on pace to at some point become the NFL's all-time leading passer. It is a bizarre turn of events. He chucks it, talented quarterback. But what will that debate be like at some point? And by the way, Marvin Jones did something Megatron has never done. Four touchdown receptions on Sunday, albeit in a loss. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the AFC and my surprise of the weekend. There were a couple of stunners over the AFC. Who is the best team not named the Patriots? We'll get into that. And Eagles, surely. How frustrated, how angry are Eagles fans right now after that awful game against Dallas? That's after a quick break. Home and home radio.com sports original brought to you by zip recruiter. The smartest way to hire try zip recruiter for free right now. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. My Sunday stunner was the Baltimore Ravens 
going to Seattle, an underdog, and playing Seahawks football. Lamar Jackson up against the NFL's MVP through six weeks, say some of us, Lamar Jackson, without a doubt, was the best football player on the field. The Ravens' defense looked like the Ravens' defense of old, not the group we've seen thus far this season. 30-16, to 16, Ravens win in Seattle. Ross Tucker, how surprised were you Lamar Jackson went to Seattle and outplayed Russell Wilson? Pretty surprised. Now, I, I wasn't surprised that the Ravens won the game. I thought they had a chance to win the game. But I was surprised that the Ravens' defense did what they did to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks' offense. This is not a great Ravens' defense. I think no. if people that maybe haven't been paying attention that closely think, oh, yeah, Ravens always have a good defense. No, not, not this year. They don't. They haven't been very good at all this year. So for them to go out to Seattle and to have Russell Wilson have his bet, his worst performance of the year, that is surprising. For the Ravens to be the team on the road that forced Russell Wilson into his worst game, you're not expecting that. Two defensive touchdowns, one a pick six by Marcus Peters, who they just got. The other... Marlon Humphrey with the scoop and score on the DK Metcalf fumble. It was a really impressive performance all the way around by the Ravens. Kind of surprising for sure in the way it went that it wasn't really even close. I mean, they, they pulled away in this game. And it's interesting, Dave, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm actually going to write my column about Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. and the Ravens quarterback-based run game this week. Because, as you know, every weekend I'm calling a different college football game for CBS Sports Network, and every defensive coordinator in college I talk to, they're like, oh, man, the quarterback run game. It's just so tough, Ross. It's the great equalizer. You know, it, you can't account for all of them. You don't have the number count advantage anymore. They can get a hat on a hat. And then if they throw off of it, oh, man, it's just so hard to be a D coordinator. It's just so hard to play defense these days. The, the Ravens, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, I think mm -hmm. that they are the first team ever to really try this at the NFL level, to have a, a run game in which the quarterback is a big part of it. You know, 10 to 20 carries a game, and even when he's not carrying it, the threat of him carrying it is a big factor in the passing game. It's a big factor as well in the other aspects of the running game when he hands off to Mark Ingram or others. You know, maybe we saw a little bit when RG3, you know, took the NFL by storm that first year. That was mainly just zone read stuff, though. Pulling the ball, throwing the backside slant, or pulling around the edge. I think Jim Harbaugh actually did a pretty good job with Colin Kaepernick and the quarterback yeah. running. You remember when Kaepernick yeah. ran for like 150 oh. yards against the Packers in that playoff game? But consistently, week in, week out, this type of volume, we've never really seen before. And I think that's because nobody believes that the quarterback 
can actually last all season doing it. And I think the Ravens are kind of like, you know what? Let's find out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you never know unless you try YOLO, right? I, I think they're just going for it. Can you remember, Dave, you're a little bit older than me. Can you remember another team like <laughs> trying the quarterback run game like this? I mean, the only thing that that stands out to me would be Michael Vick's best rushing year, but I think it still was different in the run designs. Um, I think, you know, but Lamar Jackson is on pace to smash even that quarterback rushing record. He's on pace to go well over 1,200 yards rushing. That is impossible to fathom. And what impresses you most about Lamar Jackson's ability to run is a lot of times he's doing it with everyone in the stadium and everyone on the defense knowing it's coming. In particular, one play in this game that really stands out. When they were going to kick a field goal, Lamar Jackson was furious. He was angry. He wanted something to change, and the coach, Coach Harbaugh, did that for him. He said, all right, let's go for it. Everybody knew Lamar Jackson was going to keep the ball, and he did, and he got a first down. Lamar Jackson talked about that desire to go for it, to run the ball, put the offense on his shoulders. Listen to Action Jackson here. On the touchdown run, did you talk to Harbaugh about? I told him we, we going for it. I told him we need to go for it because we didn't score. We, we drove the ball down the field, you know, first quarter twice, kick field goals. We started bringing Tuck in. I'm like, bro, no, not this time. We're not kicking no field goal because Russell Wilson get the ball again and we didn't score. It might look ugly, so I'm like, we got to score right now. Lamar Jackson, 116 yards rushing. Question being, is this running all out of necessity? There were some bad drops yesterday for Baltimore. In particular, Mark Andrews, who'd been outstanding, really had a case of the Aguilors on Sunday. And Lamar Jackson looked furious after one particular dropped touchdown pass. Um, Lamar Jackson completes nine passes on Sunday. He's nine of 20. I will go on record as I have been. I still do not think this guy is a good enough passer to win where he will have to win come December, come January. Is he running out of necessity? And his nine completions, is that a formula for winning football games in the NFL? Ross? It is right now. Yeah, it is. It is, especially if your defense plays well, and especially if you're yeah. running for over 100 yards. I think it is a formula for success. And frankly, Dave, in January is when a lot of times the weather conditions are such that it's even more important to run the football. I'm here to tell you, I'm a believer. I, I mean, Hollywood Brown isn't even playing. They don't even have a receiver. They have one good receiver on the team, really. And he's not playing. So when they get him back, and Mark Andrews catches the ball. Cat, a case of the Aguilars is unbelievable, by the way. That was that was really good. Um, it, we're to the point now that I think that the Ravens might be the second best team in the AFC and might be the team that has the best chance to knock off the Patriots because of the quarterback run game, because of when they get Hollywood Brown back. Will he do it? I, I don't know. You know, he's going to have to make some throws in that game. But I think this is, this is the, like, look, I told you what the defensive coordinators in college tell me. The great mm -hmm. equalizer. I've seen it the last couple of weeks. Bowling Green beating Toledo. Never should have happened. 
They just went with the quarterback run game inside and devastated Toledo with it. It is very hard to defend. And if you can throw the ball at all off of it, you get huge windows, huge open receivers for chunk plays. I'm a believer in this Ravens team. I'm a believer in Lamar Jackson, provided, Dave, he stays healthy. I mean, the last three games, he has 14, 19, and 14 carries. That's a lot. That, that, That is a lot. But, you know, when we were growing up, running backs would have 20-some carries a game, and that was just what they did. I know he's not a running back, but he's 210 pounds. He's kind of got that leaner build. He does a good job most of the time of getting out of bounds or getting down. And I think this is why they have RG3 and Trace McSorley as backups in case he does get banged up. This is their story, and they're sticking to it. Got to give credit to Marcus Peters, the newly acquired corner from the Rams with the pick six. That was Russell Wilson's first interception on the season, and Peters returned it to the house. Looks like a guy, at least after one week, benefited by a change of atmosphere. Both Seattle and Baltimore are five and two. We talk a lot about Lamar Jackson. We talk a lot about Patrick Mahomes, and we talk a lot about Deshaun Watson. We never talk about Jacoby Brissett who has now beaten Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson in consecutive weeks. Jacoby Brissett, enter the MVP conversation. 30-23, Colts win over the Texans. Brissett, 26-39, 326, four touchdowns. They take first place in the division. That's remarkable that Jacoby Brissett throws for four TDs and beats Watson and beats Mahomes in consecutive weeks. Is he at least on the fringe of the MVP conversation, and why is Brissett always overlooked? Well, because he was a backup, because he wasn't a high pick. Um, I I don't think he's in MVP consideration. Do you, so you think he's MVP I consideration? I think he's in the conversation now, absolutely. I think this is a team that could win. I think this is a team that's capable of winning the AFC on his shoulders. Yeah, I'm not ready to go that far yet. I would say I thought it was his best game ever, um, which is awesome. But I think there's too many other MVP candidates ahead of him right now for me to you know, have him as a serious contender at this point. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of football to be played. What I do know is that the Colts are a serious contender to not only now win the AFC South, but they'll have a chance to do some damage in the postseason and maybe even get to the AFC championship game. You know, I think the Ravens are in that mix. The Chiefs still are. We'll see what happens with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think it's kind of funny, Dave, that that they're saying uh, he feels great. He's really just week to week. I would be shocked, shocked if Patrick Mahomes played before the bye week shocked. I think that they put it out there that he's playing great and week to week because they're trying to help Matt Moore and the chiefs win some games while Mahomes is out by just having the, the, a little bit of doubt. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Oh, we have to prepare for him. Oh, is he going to play in the game? Uh, I, I don't know. 
They're trying to do a little bit of a Jedi mind trick. That's my opinion. I don't know that for sure. I don't think we see Mahomes before that bye week. That would be stunning to me. You already know how I feel about it. I don't think I would play him again for the rest of the year uh, if I were the Chiefs. But that opens the door for Jacoby Brissett and the Colts and teams like that. Because before, a couple weeks ago, I would have said, it's a wrap. It's Chiefs-Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Now the Colts and maybe the Ravens and some of these other teams are saying, hey, we, we want in there as well, and then we get in there. Who knows what can happen? Do I think those teams will go to Foxborough and beat the Patriots? No, but they at least are looking like they might deserve and earn that opportunity. And for the Colts to do what they've done and Brissett to do what he's done with Andrew Luck retiring – when he did, is incredibly, incredibly impressive. And I have so much respect for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. You know, other teams make injuries when they have excuses. Teams like the Saints, the Colts, they just keep winning. They, they, they just play well and win anyway. And they do it yesterday without much of a running game. Marlon Mack was really ineffective, just 62 total yards rushing for the Colts. So this one had to be won by Jacoby Brissett. The defense is very, very good and has not allowed a 100-yard rusher in 24 straight games. A little controversy in this one where Deshaun Watson, for those of you that didn't see the game, threw for a touchdown to... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone, but they had blown the play dead because you know what? Deshaun Watson's just never really dead. He's never really down. So maybe they got to back off on blowing that whistle, certainly trying to protect the quarterback, but Watson wanted that touchdown back. We'll talk more about Patrick Mahomes as well as the other guys in that division. Looks like San Diego and Denver and Oakland is going to allow Kansas city to be patient. No patience in Philadelphia. None at all. We're going to take, uh, we're going to get a word from our friends at ZipRecruiter. And after that, Eagles surely joins the program. How frustrated are Philly fans this morning? Oh, Ross, I cannot wait to hear the anger and the frustration in Philly fans. Yeah, we'll get a chance to hear from Eagles Shirley. She's hired potentially as our Eagles fan correspondent, if you will. We discovered her on ZipRecruiter. Not really, but we could have because ZipRecruiter is the best place to get candidates for any job, even super fans, fan correspondent. I just made that up. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter Dylan is from Cafe Altura, their COO, and he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's really no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. 
ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Some want Eagles coach Doug Peterson to find himself a new job after an absolute beatdown by the Cowboys, 37-10 to on Sunday Night Football at Cowboys Stadium. Philly turns the ball over on their first two possessions, leading to two Dallas Cowboys touchdowns, and they were off to the races. Uh, so let's hear some of that frustration from our friend Angelo Cataldi on WIP Radio. Where does he aim all his anger and frustration this morning. Bottom line is, this Philadelphia Eagles team embarrassed themselves. They embarrassed this city. They called into question for the first time since the parade the competency of their head coach. If he had not won that Super Bowl two years ago, Al, there would right now be protests for him <laughs> to be fired. There <laughs> would be. I know. I've done it on. long enough. He might have been fired based on what happened yesterday. That's how bad it was. They're not hungry. Do you understand? They are not hungry. They don't care that much. But no. where was he? Didn't where? he say the team that wanted it more was going to win? Did he want it? Did no. Fletcher Cox want to play football? It didn't appear any of them. Did, did. not appear. Later in the what? game, he got his first sack yeah. when it meant nothing. nothing. Where where was nothing. he when they went for it on the on the goal line first down? Yeah. You knew they're going to oh. give the ball to Elliott. Everybody right knew he's going to get the touchdown, because, and he walked right yeah, in the end walked zone. Walked right in. The that, quarterback sneak with Prescott. He went for eight yards on the quarterback I sneak. Know. They couldn't bring him down. The quarterback sneak. Pollard, the backup guy, scoots around two bad oh. tackles and gets nine yards. Oh. No. Every single play was a lack of freaking effort. They didn't care. They did not care who won that game. It's a joke in this city. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. Woo! <laughs> Ross Tucker, are you feeling the frustration in Philly now? Oh, yeah. Uh, I live I live near here, and I had some Eagles fans over to watch the game last night, and the frustration level is very high. And, and it's kind of combustible, right? Here's what happens, Dave. You win the Super Bowl, you and you say this is kind of the new normal. Then last year, quarterback gets hurt. You don't win the Super Bowl, but you at least make a playoff run, okay? You know what? A little bit of a mulligan. When we get the quarterback back in this roster, the next year we're going to really be good. And they've taken a step back. And it's not just that their record's three and four. They now lost back-to-back games in which it wasn't close. It, it really was not close. They got blown out multiple games in a row. And you don't expect a Super Bowl contender which is what everybody thought the Eagles were before the season, you really do not expect them to get blown out ever, let alone back-to-back weeks. But this one's especially bad because the Cowboys are by far, Dave, the Eagles' biggest rival, by far. And not only that, it was national TV. Everybody was watching. The head coach said, we're going to go down there, we're going to win. And they did the opposite. It was their worst performance of the year. There was some plays in which people are questioning effort of the players. 
you know, watching the Aguilar play over and over again, Dave, it almost feels like a guy. You ever you ever see like when uh, like a shortstop, a middle infielder gets a little bit later in their baseball career, and they don't make like a, a diving effort to stop <laughs> a ball into the hole because I think they know that they can't make that play. It's going to get an error. So they kind of jog over there, you know, put their glove on. I, I couldn't get it. That's almost what the Aguilar play looked like to me is it's almost like he thought he was going to drop it. So he didn't even want to have it hit his hands. I mean, it's bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the character. And I think his name's Rick Dorn, right? Rick Dorn from Major League, Corbin Burnson. Remember the film Major yeah, League? Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. It's not Rick Dorn, but it's Dorn. Dorn. Dorn was the high-priced, overpaid, fancy veteran who didn't want to get himself dirty, didn't want to take yes. a ground ball off of the face or the chest, and therefore just kind of gator-armed some plays until they really got in his face. Dorn. Corbin Burnson out of Major League. Solid reference there. I want to know the, what Dorn's first name is, but you're right. It's Roger. Dor Dorn is great. Roger Dorn. Roger Jordan Dorn. Cohn, the millennials come through again. Roger Dorn, you are now Nelson Aguilar. You are Roger Dorn from Major League. He probably doesn't know what the film is. But again, this play where Carson Wentz, he said, we played it earlier for you, that he thought he threw a touchdown on the ball Everyone watching that game thought it was a touchdown. All of Eagles Nation and most of us unbiased fans. And Aguilar just didn't extend his arms, certainly didn't lay out for the football. Looked like a ball most wide receivers could have had. Here's Angelo Cataldi on that lack of effort. I mean, they want to make a statement. I would have cut Nelson Aguilar last night. <laughs> exactly. What was that effort? The, Aguilar, the, the uh, alligator play. If you lay yourself out, you get your hands on the ball and catch that. That was an embarrassment. It's a straight. He's a dog, John. Do you understand? The only straight. year that he was able to perform well in this all this time he's been an Eagle is when they downgraded his position to slot receiver, and he was just he wasn't it wasn't important. An extra it, piece. There yeah. was no pressure. The minute you rely on him to make big plays, he dogs it. You saw that, John. It was awful. But he, let me tell you, and, and when he, I'll play for you what he had to say, too. He's one of the guys dissing uh, Wentz behind his back. That's my, yeah, that's my surprise theory. Me. I, I think you're Because right. there, there are guys, the way he goes, you know, the ball wasn't where I thought it would yeah. be. He is an anti-Wentz guy. They should have gotten rid of him instead of Zach Brown last week. What the hell has Aguilar done for this team? Nothing. Hakeem Laws, what are you thinking this morning? We need to hear from Hakeem Laws. If for those of you that don't remember Hakeem, he was the man that stood outside the apartment fire in Philadelphia catching babies, as he said, not like Algalar. He's selling T-shirts with that on it. I got to get one of those Hakeem Laws T-shirts, but somebody needs to dial him up and see how frustrated he is with Nelson Aguilar after that just pathetic lack of effort from the wide receiver. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick break here, and hopefully we're going to hear from Eagles Shirley about the frustration of all the Philly fans this morning. We'll also get into some other AFC games, including the most Chargers loss imaginable. Chargers, you be you. You just go out there and be the Chargers you knew it was going to happen, but still in spectacular fashion. 
they find a way to lose another football game and maybe allow Patrick Mahomes to just take his time getting back. We'll take a quick break. We'll back with that in a minute. How's that building a fan base thing going? Chargers. Los Angeles is not so impressed, but if you're going to give the fans a glimpse at who you really are, why not you be you, Chargers? You lose in the most Chargers way imaginable, always finding new and creative ways to lose a game. It's rather spectacular. The story unplayed, as it has so many times again on Sunday, they made it. It was 23-13, fourth quarter. The comeback is on. Phillip Rivers throws a touchdown pass to Austin Eckler, and you can just feel it. You know they're going to win this game, right? Well, unless you've been watching the Chargers in recent years, they get what looked like a touchdown, another one to Austin Eckler. It is reviewed, and it is overturned. They're on the one-yard line. All they got to do is punch it in with Melvin Gordon. Not so fast. He has stopped at the one. They took another look. That ball was fumbled by Melvin Gordon turned over and somehow the Titans find a way to win 23 20 by the way it was Ryan Tannehill's debut and Ross was not impressed I was 23 of 29 312 two touchdowns certainly look a hell of a lot better than Marcus Mariota the prior week but San Diego has got a major problem it's not just closing football games it's running the damn ball 21 carries 39 yards rushing with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. And now in the last two weeks combined, 33 carries, 71 yards for what was thought to be one of the better running teams in the NFL. But Ross, how each and every week does San Diego find new and creative ways to lose football games? Is that contagious? Is that something that seeps in? Or is it just a fluke week after week? By the way, um, I love this about you. I don't want it to change. You <laughs> always say San Diego. You always do I do that? Ah, San Diego. <laughs> I will always say San Diego. Broncos. I know. I Broncos know. Chargers. And honestly, LA. I, I know. No, I. You know what, Dave? I think I might just join you. They yeah, shouldn't be in L.A. They're not really the L.A. Chargers. Everybody still thinks of them as the San Diego Chargers. What's going to happen? Are they going to fire us if I call them the San Diego Chargers? Are we going to get like a, a cease and desist letter or an email from someone that's not very nice? They're actually the L.A. Chargers. I don't care. They're the San Diego Chargers. I'm, I am supporting my guy, Dave Briggs. We're on the same ticket here <laughs> on Home and Home. Briggs Tucker 2020. And I am on the we're calling the Chargers San Diego from here on out. I think you've done it every time. I'm sticking with got... it. Yeah, you should. You're right. You should. You should. Why not? And honestly, I have never in my whole life, any team at any level, seen anything like the Chargers. I tweeted, and someone reminded me of this yesterday, three years ago. In October, I tweeted every Chargers game. Uh, oh, I, no, I tweeted something like, this Chargers game reminds me of every other Chargers game ever. <laughs> Dave, that was three years ago. I've never seen anything like it. It's like there's a script. It, it's like it's a movie or a play. 
they're going to fall behind. They are then going to mount a comeback. It's going to be a thrilling comeback available at approximately 6.35 p.m. Eastern Time on the Red Zone Channel, starring Philip Rivers. In the end, though, our, our star will come up just short as the protagonist had either throws an interception or has somebody else on his team absolutely blow it. In this case, Melvin Gordon, who might be the first player I can ever remember that is hurting himself and his contract more by playing than he was when he was holding out. He should go back and hold out again. He should go back. It should be like, oh, I want to go back. Remember that show Lost? My wife and I used to watch Lost. We have to go back. Great, I want to go show. back. Melvin Gordon should go back to Kansas to the Island. Wherever, wherever Zeke Elliott was. I know that's not where Melvin Gordon was. Maybe Melvin Gordon should go to Cancun and go there because yeah. he is he's literally hurting himself every time he takes the field by how he's playing. And frankly, by how he pales in comparison to Austin Eckler. It is the damnedest thing. That that I love that take. So Melvin Gordon. Go back to the island. Go back to the lost island. Be stranded out there because you would actually make more money doing nothing. It is a script. It's like, you know, so when we have this program, a little behind the scenes, we have a script here for our friends at, at ZipRecruiter. And we read that after, you know, 20 or so minutes. It's like the, the Chargers have a similar script. They start to feel the game on the line and they just pick up their script because they know exactly how to lose a football game and they execute it so brilliantly in different unique ways all the time. Exactly how Ross Tucker executes our zip recruiter live reads right here. And, and our friend Jordan Cohn, one of the millennials says he might have the new uh, Philip rivers might be the new Eli face because it's that face that you make when you know things have turned, when you know things have gone the wrong way. And there it is for those of you watching on the radio.com app, not just listening. We urge you all to watch because Ross Tucker's facial expression often makes the program, but those images really capture the spirit of the Chargers. The new Eli face is that of Phillip Rivers, who is probably, in all likelihood, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but it's going to be really hard for the San Diego Chargers to establish any fans in the city of Los Angeles the way they go out there and do this each and every week. But it looks like, you know, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Broncos, uh, look, everyone is going to give Patrick Mahomes time. I mean, they said he could be back in three weeks, said uh, Adam Schefter over the weekend. Let's hope they're watching the way Rivers and Flacco and the Raiders are playing and say, take your time. This division will be winnable. If Patrick Mahomes comes back December 1st after the bye, let him shore up and get healthy. All right, it looks like uh, Eagles Shirley is ready to go. Are we clear here, guys? Yeah, it looks like it. Shirley! Eagles Shirley. Now, uh, folks, <laughs> folks that don't know Shirley, it, she is the embodiment of the spirit of Philadelphia sports, one of the greatest sports callers this country has to offer. Shirley, it's great to have you. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker, how frustrated are you? What happened last night to your Eagles? Hello, everybody. Um, I don't know if you heard my call on with Angelo this morning. I, 
I had to call and apologize to him. I just let everything out and I couldn't hold back my emotions. And I just started crying and I just had to hang up. I was so angry at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it's, it's so much going on with the team. And I, and I was saying to some of my family, like in week two, I said, you can always tell when stuff is going on in the locker room because it shows on a field. I always watch body language. You know, when you teach people, you know, resumes and how to um, conduct themselves for interviews and all that stuff, body language is so important. And with, if our guys is not communicating on the side, and if, excuse me, and if they're not showing support, I said something is going on in the locker room. And fast forward, Dallas game, here you go, Lane Johnson spills it out. You know, people come to meetings late. They come into, you know, practice late. Like, it's, it's, it's stuff is going on. And my thing about what's going on is that they've been allowed to, this is being allowed. This should not be allowed because we paying our hard on hard-earned money, you know, to come out to the games, to buy the uniform, to buy the jerseys, whatever, we, you know, we buy and purchasing, you know, flying all around the country. We there for the Philadelphia Eagles. So they had some tall explaining to do, and I'm looking at Mr. Lurie to give us, to provide us some answer. Today, today. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. She's got it. She's trying to calm down. And, and surely you mentioned feeling like you had to apologize to Angelo Cataldi and our friends at WIP from a call you made earlier this morning in which your frustration may have been peaking. We actually have that call. Here it oh is. Some heads need to be rolled. If you got to cut anybody, cut players, cut coaches, let them go because it's not fair. But the simple fact but that these guys get to come and get a paycheck, it's not they making millions of dollars, and we come home. We at we at bars. We at our friends' house. We at different locations. We at the games, spending thousands of dollars on the ticket, on the airplane, at the hotel. And this is what the Eagles do. They don't care. They do not care about us. So how can we move forward? How can we move forward and support our team, Mr. Lobby? What should we do? What will you do? We're putting it back on you. It is not fair to us. We love this team. We die and ride for this team. And yes, I watched that game to the very end, and I was angry. But what can I do about it? That's my Philadelphia Eagles team. But Mr. Jeffrey Norby, it's on you now. You got to do something. You must do something. You got to do something. I'm asking you. I'm pleading you. You please do something by the end of this week. Oh, you're going to lose me. You're going to lose me. <laughs> Shirley. Oh, Shirley. I, I want to say, number one, it's a pleasure to talk oh. to you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Shirley, as a guy that grew up outside of Philadelphia and a big Eagles fan. It's an absolute pleasure. I want all the listeners and viewers to know that we were going to talk to Shirley this morning no matter what. We had it scheduled to talk to Shirley. We didn't know last night was going to happen. I can tell, Shirley, that you're starting to get emotional when you just heard your call with Angelo this morning. What what makes you so emotional? Because we know they better than this. We know how much Mr. Lori pride in putting the best product on the field. So... To see 
what's been going on these past couple of weeks. Something is definitely going on. We exactly don't know what, but something is going on. It's bits and pieces of different things that's happening, but to sell us short and we coming up tall every time by supporting you all, we need, we, we want to understand what's going on. And if somebody got to get cut, get fired or whatever to make the point, we, we just want better product. We want the guys to stand up and rise to see Russ Tucker. You play, man. When, when you're on that field, you got to give your all as if that's it. When I'm singing, I had three services yesterday. I sang at Beloved St. John Evangelist Church right here in Philadelphia, you know, and I sing on the Praise and Worship team. Three services. I give it my all, all three services. I had no problem. And I said, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to enjoy watching the game. Man, I'm pumped up. I got my juice flowing. You know, I'm all prayed up. I'm ready to go. And this, you watch this. This is what they give us. They did not give us their best. They did not put their all and all into it. Why would you get on the field and do that's your job? You that's your job. So I'm upset because I know Mr. Lori is not putting putting that putting that out there. He's not putting that out there, but I'm pleading to Mr. Lori as the owner to, to fix it. I don't care who he gotta go to. Um, um Howie Roseman, Peterson, Schwartz. I don't care what must need to be done, but we need as fans, we need resolution, we need answers. Mr. Tucker. Nelson, surely it's hard to quantify effort for a football team. We don't often see it encapsulated in a particular play, except when you're Nelson Aguilar and there's a throw that looked like a beautiful touchdown pass and he didn't even extend his arms. Did you see that play? What's your message to Nelson Aguilar? Is he giving enough effort? No, I saw that. Thank you. I saw that play. And I sat up on my couch and I said, only thing you had to do was to extend your arms. That's all you had to do. Don't worry about if the guy's going to come and hit you or not. Because your, your job is as a football player, is to, as a wide receiver, is to catch the ball and make sure you recover the ball or hold on to the ball so that you don't lose the ball. If you go out of bounds, that's fine. But with your speed, you can run and that would have been a touchdown. So to hear your excuses this morning that you was looking for the ball, the ball was, you know, before you and you turned around, you tr- whatever he was saying, they were excuses. And they, we have no time for this team with excuses. Yes, we are Super Bowl champs two years ago, but look at the players that was on that team then. Look at the players that was on that team that was hungry, that said that came to us for one year and said, we coming to win a championship. And that made everybody else want to want to win as well so mr nelson aguilar you need to step up as the wide receiver since the sean jackson is obviously not able to do it you this should be your time and as a matter of fact since i'm talking to you mr aguilar you said something to the sean jackson and he gave you that game with the sean jackson just tore it up in washington and you said something to him and the sean jackson said when your turn come you step up he said because your turn may be next Deshaun didn't know he was going to get hurt. He didn't know that. You got four games, four games to step up and be the man on wide receiver team. And look what you do to us. You dropping balls. You're not reaching out for balls. You have no excuses. If anybody need to be cut, you need to go. Shirley, why is this so important to you? I was raised, born and raised up in Philadelphia. My brother Sherman, he played football and we played, you know, out on the streets and all that. 
we was born and raised loving all Philadelphia teams. And anything we do, anything we was told to do, put forth your best effort. When you give all that you give and you have nothing left, left, nothing left to give and it don't go your way, at least you can walk away saying, I gave it my all. But if you know you didn't give your all and you squeaking through because you getting paid, that's not fair because that's our money. That's our money that's paying you. You're not doing your all, putting your all into it. So at the end of the day, this means so much to me as a fan and other fans because we eat, sleep, and breathe Philadelphia Eagles. If you go into any Eagle fan house, you're going to see all types of product that we done paid for over the years going out to games. So it means so much to us because we want them to succeed. We want to, you know, encourage them to do their best all time. We don't like, you know, bashing our players, but when they don't put their all into it, it's like it's a disrespect to me and everybody else that love the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's wrong, um, Tucker. Surely I'm 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 with you. I, I feel your passion. All my friends, family, they're all diehard Eagles fans. I had some over last night watching that game. I I guess I want to know, you talked about Aguilar and you talked about Jeffrey Lurie. Who is the one person that you are most disappointed in right now or that you feel like has let you down the most so far this year and in particular last night? I want to really say um, Coach Schwartz on defense because I don't know if he's not getting enough help from um, Howie Roseman to put the best defensive guys on the field to, to, to play coverage, man, whatever it is, cornerbacks. If if he's not getting enough help, because I don't know all of, all of the story, then, you know, I have some slack on him. But if he has everything that they are providing him and he's making the decisions on the defensive side as a coordinator, to not to protect or to um, – cover the guys uh, on offense the way he should, then I'm sorry, Swartz, you're doing a real bad job. And our defense used to be a strong defense. When you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, you used to know us by our defense. Going back to the Buddy Ryan days, this Mr. Jim Johnson, you know, we were strong. We didn't take no tea for fever. You know what I mean? At all, I'm trying to tell you, when it came to our defense, you was not getting that first down. You was not getting into that end zone if it was 4-1. We was shutting you down. But now, it's soft. We too soft on defense. We That's, that's, that's not the Philadelphia Eagles team I know. So I got to look at the coordinator. I got to look at the defensive coordinator on that, and that's Mr. Swartz. He's letting us down time after time after time. It's enough. It's enough. So I'm just saying, if we don't have enough, if he don't have enough support to, for guys that he can put out there, then you know what? I'll lay back. But if he's giving everything, everything in the kitchen sink to make sure that we do what we need to do, but he's not looking at the plays that the office is, is giving us, and he's not covering that, or he's not paying attention, and he can't capitalize on, you know, holes on the offense, then it's Coach Schwartz. I'm very upset with him. I'm very upset with him. I- I'm sorry, Eagle Shirley. We've got you all riled up. We much appreciate the time. This is why folks need to listen to WIP on the Radio.com app and 
We understand you are featured in a documentary, maybe next year at the Philadelphia Film Festival. Can you tell us about that doc? Yeah, so Cal Thrash, he's the director of this film, and he was following the team. Um, see, another Eagles, he's another Eagles fan. And he made his dreams come true by, you know, following the team, you know, hoping, 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 hoping that they would win the Super Bowl. Not knowing why he's filming, that's exactly what happened. And it's amazing the story captures Philadelphia. It captured the fans in its rare form, in its raw form. And then it has a subtlety of, you know, um, it brings you to some tears. It brings you to like um the fact that how much we love Philadelphia and what we what this team means to us. And it'll show you in this film, maybe next year, how passionate. You want to see, you'll see other Eagle fans that's so passionate beyond me. They just like out there, but that's their passion. We all are passionate about, um, about the Eagles very different ways. You know, at the end of the day, you know, for me, my groundness in Jesus, that's what helps me get me through a, a bad loss. So I can walk away. I'm very angry and upset, but at the end of the day, I know who I am in Christ. So I cannot let that game just literally tear me apart. So for me, that's what grounds me. I don't know what grounds other people, but we still come together because we all love the Philadelphia Eagles. And you'll see this in this film. And I just thank um, um, Kyle Thrash um, and Wave Link Productions mm -hmm. for allowing me to be a part of this beautiful um, thing um, that's being um, premiered tonight at the Philadelphia um, um, Film Center. It's called Maybe Next Year. Follow her on Twitter at Eagles Shirley. We don't ever want you to lose your passion. We absolutely love no. it, and we appreciate the time on a Monday. I Thanks, love you, Shirley. Guys. Thank you. Thanks, Shirley. Love you. Ross, callers, fans, that passion, what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, look, it really is. And you've said this before, and I give you credit for this. You know, the fans put a lot of their hard-earned money into this. And this is their escape. This is their diversion. A lot of people, you know, maybe things aren't going as well in their life as they wanted to. And this is something that they choose to do with the very little free time and disposable income that they have. And the one thing I can tell you from growing up there and living around there is they can almost handle losing if they feel like everybody out there cares as much as they do and is playing as hard as they would if they played for the Eagles. But if you are like a Ricky Waters and you say for who or for what with an alligator arms or Nelson Aguilar, you're going to have major issues. Like I'll give you an example. Did you see, mm -hmm. I don't think we talked about it yet. Did you see, Dave, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Dolphins down two scores with like a, a minute left in the game, truck a Bills defensive back to score that touchdown? The I guy is an absolute idiot. He is the biggest moron that's ever gone to Harvard. I'm going to text him right now. He is a lunatic. But let me just tell you this. If he played in Philadelphia – he would be a god. They would love him. Even though they lost, everybody today would be talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's what we need, more guys like him. And I just feel like Eagles Shirley and Eagles fans, 
aren't seeing enough of what Ryan Fitzpatrick, for some unknown reason, at 36 years old with six kids and a Harvard degree for a team that's not even trying to win this year, just lowered his shoulder and head to score a touchdown. It was it was incredible. It really was. But you, you know, the more I talk to you, I, I, I can see the fan side of it more. And I get it. I, I, I get the frustration from Shirley and others, especially when the expectations are so high and they go out and they lay an egg like that. I love that we have the ability to do that here on Home and Home. I mean, I, anytime I talk to anybody about the show, I'm like, well, it's less than five minutes of commercials per hour, it, which nobody else is doing. It's audio and video. And we immediately can get great calls, can great get, get great rants from the actual markets where the news is going on that people really care about and are passionate about. You're just not going to get that type of passion typically on a yeah. national show. It's just not the same. No, I, it is unrivaled and it is everything to love about sports. There are fans that take it too far, and we've seen some of those examples in recent days. But surely that type of passion, we all know, we all love, we all celebrate it. I would love to hear what callers in Boston, our friends WEEI, are saying this morning after a Netflix clip emerged of Tom Brady coming out of a shady day spa. One might think he was trolling Bob Kraft. His reaction will surprise you. We'll get into that story, and we'll welcome in Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, NFL writer there at Yahoo, to talk about a surprising weekend in the NFL. One of those brief commercial breaks right now. Home and home on a football Monday coming up in just a bit. Frank Schwab, NFL writer for Yahoo. What was his biggest surprise? What was his biggest disappointment from week seven in the NFL? It's Home and Home, a Radio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. There it is. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. We'll also get them to weigh in on the Monday nighter between the Patriots and the Jets. And ahead of that game, a little controversy for Tom Brady, who very rarely steps in it. Enter Friday and a clip emerging on a Netflix comedy with Paul Rudd. The comedy is called Living With Yourself. And if you haven't had the opportunity to see this clip, I tweeted it out on Friday. I'll retweet that here in a minute. Let me set the scene. Paul Rudd pulling up in his car to a shady strip mall with a shady uh, massage joint, day spa, kind of like the one... Robert Kraft was busted at recently. It was called the Top Happy Spa in this Paul Rudd comedy. And he was debating, do I go in? Do I not go in? Do I go for the the massage or the, the other things that they get in these places? And out comes Tom Brady. And Paul Rudd is stunned. He looks back to confirm it is Tom Brady. And the Patriots quarterback looks at him and says, first time? And Paul, Rudd, Paul, Paul Rudd excuse me, says, uh-huh. You? And Brady says, nope, sixth. Well, that sure sounded, looked, felt like Tom Brady was trolling the Patriots owner, Bob Kraft, until Brady was questioned about this clip at the lockers on Saturday. Listen to his reaction. That's not what that was about. I think that was uh, taken out of context, just like you're taking out of context and trying to make it a story for yourself, which is 
has a negative connotation to it, which I don't appreciate. Um, it was meant to be something different than that. Uh, so the fact that it's a distraction or you're bringing it up is uh, not something I want to be talking about. Um, so it's not just me. I mean, the, the USA Today, pretty mainstream, says Patriots QB Tom Brady spoofs Robert Kraft with a cameo at massage power. So I mean, it's not just. Me. I think it's. I think it's just a. Again, I think it's this type of media atmosphere that you know you create. Um, you know the blame and shame media atmosphere that's kind of percolated for a while. I think there's a lot of things that are said that are taken out of context that you, know, you choose to make a headline of as opposed to understand what it's actually about. Have you seen it? I ha I've seen this thing. I understand the background of it. And you, I understand the context. Yes, I have. You I see see, I see the context. And that's what it was about. No, I know that it wasn't. Okay, so it wasn't about that except you want to try to use something and use it as you know, to take it out of context. Is that what you choose to do but in when, the media? When did you shoot it? Could you not That's know? what we do try to do. <laughs> if, you shot it, if you shot it in the last year, though, wouldn't you know that it might be considered? That's enough. No, you shot on a green screen. All right. <laughs> that is a straight-faced Tom Brady. But that is a hysterical reaction for the most scrutinized quarterback, this most scrutinized athlete not named LeBron James, arguably, of our time, and for good reason. He's a six-time Super Bowl champ married to a supermodel. Everything about him is carefully measured. How in the world does he do this Netflix show with Paul Rudd, Ross, not realizing exactly the context it was in? A shady strip mall, a shady day spa, the same context Bob Kraft was busted in. What am I missing here? Couple things. Number one, do we know who that reporter was that was going I after don't. him? I'm curious as to who that was. I, I, don't I would know. love to know who that was. Secondly, uh, you know, I guess Brady has said that he did that. It was a green screen. So he was never actually at uh, a shady day spa. His whole part that he did was in front of a green screen. And I guess he didn't know exactly that they were going to have it be that type of shady. But, you know, he knew he was coming out of a massage parlor. Like, he knew the the gist of it. For a guy that is as buttoned up as Brady is and it does as good of a job as anybody with his reputation, and rightfully so, I'm a little perplexed by the Antonio Brown uh, social media support. Uh, that's got to be one where maybe he knows more than we do from having been around Antonio. And I'm a little bit perplexed by this one, too, because, you know, he's the type of person that says no unless he's sure that it's going to be perceived and go perfectly. I I'm just surprised that he didn't realize this would be the reaction a lot of people would have. Stunned. I do not understand it. Frank Schwab writes for Yahoo NFL writer. Frank, good to see you, Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. What the hell is Tom Brady talking about that it was taken out of context? <laughs> it's amazing. Like, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's something, like you guys said, he's very buttoned up. He doesn't say anything out of line. I've covered multiple Super Bowls with him, and getting anything remotely controversial, much less interesting out of him, is almost impossible. So this is, yeah, something you, you don't see him step in many potholes like this, but but this is one he doesn't want to be in for sure. <laughs>
Frank, a lot went down yesterday in the NFL. And I, I like to, rather than giving you a specific question to start, what was the most significant, most interesting thing that happened in NFL Sunday football yesterday? Man, there was so much. As you know, Ross, every week is like that. But I'm going to go into Chicago because I think it's shocking how bad the Bears' offense has been. I could go a million directions with this. But the fact that the Bears were so bad on offense, their NFL coach of the year, Matt Nagy, does have, doesn't have any answers right now. Mitchell Trubisky's really struggling to see the field. And when he does see something, he's just missing. The Bears are in full meltdown mode, too. Matt Nagy's talking about the negativity to media. Khalil Mack skipped out on talking to the media at all. We got guys like Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen beefing with guys on Twitter. It just doesn't seem like they're handling this well. It seems like they're falling apart a little bit. Meanwhile, the Packers are taking off. Aaron Rodgers looked unbelievable yesterday, obviously. Kirk Cousins is as hot as anybody in the league. So the Bears are in real danger. We knew some regression was coming. But this has been pretty shocking. That offense did nothing yesterday. They had seven rushing attempts, 17 yards. That's not Bears football. That's not getting much done. I don't think Nagy has any answers right now. It's fairly shocking. We all knew the Bears were going to come back to earth a little bit. But this is beyond what I thought. This is a really ugly-looking team right now. And I don't know how it's going to get much better unless Trubisky really bounces back. And I'm not sure he has that in him. He has taken a huge step back from last year. Speaking of another championship defense, the 49ers have allowed 10 combined points in three weeks. That's wins over Cleveland, the Rams, and now Washington. Their offense, though, did a lot of nothing. I know it was muddy, it was rainy, but three field goals, 12-21 for Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you convinced that that offense is enough to make them a contender? I'm not sure yet. I do trust Kyle Shanahan to get this thing right, and we do know Jimmy can play better than he did. He had... 10 passing yards at the half yesterday. He's obviously a much better quarterback than that. I do think this team needs a trade for a receiver. I just don't think they have enough firepower. I, I like guys like Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, and, and all that. But I just think they need one guy to really bring this thing together, a true number one. I don't know if that's out there in the trade market. I don't know if an Emmanuel Sanders really answers all their questions. But I think they need a little more at that position to go with George Kittle at tight end. I think this team is... Very good on defense, obviously. They can run the ball like most Mike Kyle Shanahan teams can. I think what's really going to take them to a next level is getting the passing game going. I think that can happen. I still believe in Jimmy. It was ugly yesterday. I kind of just chalked that up to being in a, a difficult spot coming off two huge wins and the rain. But I, I do think the offense needs to get better, and I trust that it will. This is a really good team. I, I do believe in this 49ers team. They absolutely blasted the Browns and the Rams. We know those teams had their issues, but they're still talented teams, and the 49ers took care of business. Yesterday was just a get-out-of-town-with-a-win-who-cares-how-ugly-it-looked how kind of game. But I do think that this offense can get better, but it does need to get better. Frank, are you more impressed by what the Saints did in Chicago? I know you talked about the Bears' offense, or by what the Ravens did in Seattle. Wow. I, you know what? I, I'm just going to go to the Saints here because – the Ravens win was great. And I, Lamar Jackson is just a heck of a football player. But what the Saints have done, look, we all took a step back and said, uh-oh, this, this thing might get a little ugly without Drew Brees. If they could just go 3-3 three and three without Drew, they're going to be in good shape. But 5-0, and oh, I think Sean Payton right now is winning himself a Coach of the Year award. Maybe it's Frank Reich, actually, without Andrew Luck. But Sean Payton has kind of almost cemented his legacy a little bit. Not that he needed it. He's got a Super Bowl ring. He's been fantastic. But almost like the Belichick-Brady thing, we're always like, is it Peyton? Is it Breeze? 
Well, we're seeing Sean Payton as a heck of an NFL head coach. Not that we didn't know that, but this has been, to me, his most impressive streak of his career to go 5-0 and without Drew Brees. And what impresses me most is this isn't just Teddy Bridgewater stepping in and throwing for 300 yards every game. This is the defense coming through, special teams plays, running the ball at Latavius Murray. They're finding ways to win, and I think that really benefits them when Drew comes back. This team, if Drew comes back and looks like the guy we know, and that's not guaranteed at 40 years old coming off thumb surgery, but if Drew is Drew, this Saints team is all of a sudden the best in the NFC in my mind. The Saints team is going to get better, and Sean Payton's had a heck of a year. This is very, very impressive what they've done without him. We all agree on that. Talking to Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, up right now. You're writing Doug Peterson will have a very long week. What does Doug Peterson do to fix what's ailing Philadelphia? Is it a personnel thing or effort? I think it's just everything. That's the weird part about the Eagles. We can look at teams that are struggling like the Bears and say, all right, they need to get the running game going. They need to get... With the Eagles, it's like something different every week. And, Ross, I know you're, you're close to that team, so you know this very well. Like, it was the drops against the Lions. It's been the turnovers. Yesterday was the offensive line and missing tackles. Like, we don't see that from the Eagles a lot. It's just they're very sloppy right now, and that does come back to Doug Peterson. Look, if you come out on Monday and say, we're going to Dallas, we're going to beat the Cowboys, and then you lose by 27 points and look terrible, you got to wear that. You, you did not have that team prepared. This team has been sloppy all season. I like Doug Peterson as a coach, but this team has not looked ready for a lot of games. They've looked mentally out of it for some reason at times. It's something different every game. You can't just pinpoint and say, well, it's the secondary, although they've had their issues. Well, it's the offensive line. Now, the offensive line is usually pretty good. I don't know the one thing that's going to turn this team around. I think Doug Peterson needs to get this team focused, needs to get them mentally into it. I'm really, it's, it's a curious thing. I can't sit here and tell you this is the answer to Eagles' problems. It's just a little bit of everything, and honestly, I think that comes back to the head coach. I think Doug Peterson needs to refocus this team. I don't know if it's going to happen. They have a tough game coming up, I think, against Buffalo this week. That's not going to be easy. All of a sudden, they're in danger of really falling out of this NFC East race, and, and the NFC, the competition for wildcard spots is going to be fierce. They're, they're not guaranteed one of those either. Frank, I want to get your opinion on something, and honestly, I, I've known this for a while. I don't know why it just crystallized this weekend for me, but I, I called a college game Saturday night. This happened a couple times. One of them was on a third and 18, saw it in the NFL game last night, Eagles-Cowboys, where it was third and more than like 15, and there's a, either a hold or a legal contact or uh, I think maybe it was Malcolm Jenkins and uh, illegal hands to the face, like briefly, all automatic first downs. And I'm just curious, are you in favor of that? Or do you not like that those are automatic first downs? I've seen some people say, well, if they didn't hold them or didn't illegal contact, they could have gotten a lot of yards. So maybe it leads to more holding. What's your thoughts? Yeah, right. I think that that's the argument. You say, well, if he hadn't held, or if there wasn't illegal hands in the face, maybe he gets those 18 yards for the first down. Look, the NFL likes its offense. Uh, keeping the offense on the field is never going to be a bad thing. I do think, in general, Ross, that we're just seeing too many penalties. This isn't a, a revelation or anything. We all know this. I think the NFL needs to take a step back and say, we don't tune into these games to see officials throw flags. And we're seeing it all the time. We saw it a lot in that Monday night game, the Lions and Packers. A lot of these things could just go. I don't want to be looking at replays and having those guys, Joe Tessitore, Booger McFarland, saying, 
I don't see anything here. Why did they throw a flag? If it, Look, if, if players are holding, if they're doing dumb things on every play and getting penalties, legit penalties, that's on them. Then they're, they're slowing the game now, and they're kind of ruining our experience there. If it's just officials looking for reasons to throw penalties, no, let's, let's cut that back a little bit. Let's let the game breathe a little bit. Let's let these guys play. I think we're getting a – there's too much emphasis on everything. The NFL wants to emphasize this, emphasize that. How about telling the officials, hey, let's emphasize letting the game play out a little bit, letting the game breathe. I think that that's a major problem for the NFL right now. Some of these games have been legitimately unwatchable. They need to kind of rein that back a little bit, I think, to improve the entertainment value of these games. I'm with Jerry Jones on this. I think there is no such thing as bad press for the NFL. 16 million people on average watching every single game, despite the officiating. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Check him out at Yahoo Schwab on Twitter. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you for the time. No doubt, fellas. Thanks. All right, we'll talk about some college football in just a bit. What a dramatic weekend it was. One of the biggest upsets honestly, in the last 10 years in college football, as well as a little Jalen Ramsey discussion as he found a new football team, a new role, and had to lock up with Julio Jones, Ross. But first, Dave, I need to tell you about ZipRecruiter and Cafe El Toro CEO. I feel like I know this guy at this point. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. We should actually get Dylan on the show. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Maybe he's a big football fan. Who knows? Maybe he's got something really cool we don't even know about. Anyway, it's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. My buddy Dylan posted that job on ZipRecruiter. Yeah, I haven't ever met him. So if you guys are confused, I just call him my buddy just to like mess around. I've never met Dylan Miskowitz, okay? I'm just reading what I'm supposed to read because the bottom line is ZipRecruiter is awesome. They've got candidate rating feature. They, they, have, they filter applicants for you. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's what matters. Not Dylan, unless he comes on the show and is awesome. What matters is ZipRecruiter is awesome. That's why they're on every show, and they're effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Dylan Miskowitz is kind of uh, part of the family at this point. We do need to have him on the program. I mean, a good friend of all of ours, though never met him, never seen him, would be interesting at some point. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has a new job. He is now the shutdown corner for the Los Angeles Rams and had to work with Julio Jones on the other side of the football field on his first action, suited up quickly, got right into the flow of things. And when you are the Rams... There is nothing like the Atlanta Falcons to make you feel better. You talk about bath fitter, man, the Atlanta Falcons paced over a lot of underlying problems. They are awful. They have now lost five straight games. They're one in six. And to make matters worse, Matt Ryan injured ankle, went to the locker room. No word on the severity of that. But then again, it's hard to imagine things getting much worse for that team. 37 to 10. 
Jared Goff rebounds 22 of 37, two touchdowns and one rushing. What did you make of the return of Jalen Ramsey to his new team and the words uh, before and after this game? Well, so first of all, Jalen Ramsey is a very good player, but the report that came out before the game that he has assured the Rams that he won't hold out for a new contract just made me laugh. Oh, really? Really, Jalen? Okay. Was, was it Scout's honor? What, what, like, what, like, what, what, I mean, you're talking about a guy that just skipped two football games lying about having a bad back. And we're supposed to take his word like, like his word is honorable. His word is oak. No, I don't think so. I'm not buying that. He says he won't hold out because he's expecting to get the money that he wants. It's just laughable to me. Hey, maybe he won't hold out, okay? But let's not act like, oh, Jalen Ramsey promised. This is the same guy that's lied to basically the whole world the last couple weeks. I'm not mad at him for it. I'm just saying I'm not taking his word as his bond here, okay? I'm not I'm not taking it like what everything Jalen Ramsey says will end up being uh, the truth. As for the Falcons, Dave, we did a poll before the show. At RDC Home and Home, uh, the channel, the station, by the way, is at RDC Sports. In terms of the most surprising team, and the Niners were on there and blah, 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 other teams. I did a write-in vote. The most surprising team to me, it's the Atlanta Falcons. I'm surprised that the, I'm a little surprised the Niners are undefeated for sure. But the Falcons to be this bad, not just only one win, but it's the way in which they lose. It's how bad they look. I am stunned. I mean, they still have a decent amount of talent on that team. They should have won the Super Bowl a few years ago. And now they're in this position. And now Matt Ryan's hurt. It's brutal. And Dave, you always have props. So I'm going to have a prop here today for the first time. I don't think I've ever done this before. Are you excited? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's see it. Okay. What do you got? My prop is like, I'm going to say that this prop is Dan Quinn, okay? This prop is Dan Quinn and the Falcons. It is my Old Navy flip-flop, okay? So, number one, this part has now come undone, all right? So, that's not good because this part... The, ne- the rest of the thing that goes between, I don't even know what you call this part, that goes between your big toe and your next toe, that's about to rip and be done. And it's no longer connected to the bottom back here. So the bottom line is, my flip-flop, I feel like you're going to do the Billy Madison thing when I'm done with this, by the way. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're going to Billy Madison me when I'm done with this. But I will say this, okay? This flip-flop, is like Dan Quinn and the Falcons, okay? It It's a good flip-flop. We've had a lot of good time together. It's been there for me for years. There was a time that it was one of the best flip-flops around, but it's over now. It's damaged. 
and I need to throw it in the trash and get a new flip-flop. The line is, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response was there anything that could even be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> However, that is a brilliant analogy because they are falling apart. We need to start a GoFundMe page for a new Ross Tucker pair of flip-flops. We need a GoFundMe page. I don't even know how to start one of those, but we need to do it because you have got to get rid of those terrible, awful flip-flops. I mean, those things are truly atrocious. Hold them up one more time. And didn't they cost 10 bucks? $10? Well, I can get it. I can get it, but I what? chucked it. It was like part what? of my... Oh, good. Part of, hold on a second. It. I threw it. <laughs> get rid of that goddamn awful pair of flip-flops. If they were 10 bucks, what are you holding on to them for? No, I'm not. I, this is t Today's the last day. I've moved on, by the way. I've moved on. It's no, it's it's pretty much not flip-flop season anymore. It is slipper season. Yeah. Slipper season. And Get those two are awful. Just savaged. Just torn apart in the inside. So maybe they too are the Falcons. No, these are okay. No, these still have some time. These are like, uh, what, what NFL team are these? It's not over for them yet. Because even... Even when this inside, man, I really do do damage. There's like, look in there. I mean, it's not yeah. good. It's not so good. So is that Chicago? I am the only person you know that wears flip-flops or slippers every day year-round. Every day. Every day. You know why? Because tying shoelaces sucks. Shoelaces are for losers. You have to bend over. You have to do the right thing over, the left thing over. You got to make the bunny ears and then go. It's a total waste of time. It hurts my back. Shoelaces are like socks. They're for losers, okay? And if you watch or listen to this show, you're not a loser. Join the team. It's Team Flip Flop Slipper. Team Flip Flop Slipper is where we're at here. If you're a home-and-home -home person. Don't be one of the losers that wears socks every day like Briggs on CNN. I'm kidding, Briggs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Or wears shoes that you have to tie and bend over for. Life's too short to bend over. That should be a bumper sticker. What? Life's <laughs> too short to bend over should be our motto here. I have Super Bowl socks on. Super Bowl socks today. And I, too, never tie my shoes. That's the whole deal with the uh, Allbirds. You just slip them right on. There are slip-on shoes. And before we go, I mean, are those slippers, you said they're not the Falcons, so they're not Washington, they're not Miami. Are those slippers the Chicago Bears of shoes? I, I was thinking that these, these, these slippers were like the Bears or maybe the Tennessee Titans. Maybe even you could argue the Eagles where it's like, I'm not ready to give up on them yet for this year, but if things don't go well by the end of this year, there might be some changes made in the slipper category. But the Falcons, you are Ross Tucker's flip-flops. And it's time for those flip-flops to go.
And it is time for Dan Quinn to go. And it is time for Matt Ryan to take a break for a couple of weeks. It is amazing how fast it has turned south. I hate that you said that was your biggest surprise this NFL season, because that too is mine. It no! is just why are we why do we agree so much? Well, I think we both thought they were a playoff team, and this is a playoff roster. And you know what? You want stupidity? Stupidity is picking a fight with Aaron Donald. And that's what Devontae Freeman did on Sunday and got ejected for it. Probably a very short list of dudes I ain't ever going to pick a fight with, and Aaron Donald is the top of that list. We ran How out about- of time to talk college football. Damn it. Well, tomorrow, college football, and let's talk some more NBA in China because the China's coming strong. And I know we disagree on that a lot, although the latest from China has me seeing your vision a little bit more. That's we the tease do, for tomorrow. We do very much disagree, and we'll get into that in college football and preview the World Series tomorrow on a Tuesday. Enjoy your Monday, everybody, for Flip Flops, Ross Tucker, Dan Quinn. That's you, Flip Flop, Dan Quinn. We'll see you tomorrow. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 